0: I struggle putting the show on. It doesn't just happen.
1: No, it's apparently difficult for me to get my mic and my headphones on.
0: <laughs> But you did it. You're here. You made it through the rain. No rain today, really. No,
1: actually, we're, we're doing good down here. So. We're in sunny
0: Southern California, which hasn't been so sunny the last 10 days. We had 70% of the rain we get all year in 10 days.
1: Yeah. We can use that, but I wish it would just kind of span out a little bit. We don't need a quite.
0: Small. No, we so have another big storm coming here. But today, no storms, bright, sunny skies. Who'd you bring with you?
1: Today, I am very happy to have Allison Lee return with us, and her sister, who is new to us, with us is Erica Strudler. I hope I'm saying it correctly. Thank yeah. you both for coming. We want to talk about your mom, what you're doing to honor her memory, and just get to know her. and your you want to start and just kind of introduce yourself a little bit and what you're doing and your connection? I just gave away your connection, didn't I? But, Allison, if you want to just introduce yourself a little bit and what you're with.
2: Hi, Roberta. It's so great to be back. I'm Allison Lee. And, yes, was affected by pancreatic cancer. Our mom passed away in May of 2012 after her struggle. Currently, I work as the director of trust and estate content strategic development at a company called Freewill. It's a social good enterprise, and we help individuals create their estate plans for free, also help to facilitate charitable donations to nonprofits, primarily in non-cash giving.
0: Thank you. And let's get at, And as we're going on, if Allison can speak up a little bit. She has so much to tell here, but she's a little faint on our end here.
2: So. <laughs> that's because I don't have one of those fantastic
0: hats. <laughs> I know. That's, well, contract- we were going to bring that
2: up. <laughs> Speaking about that's uh I gotta get myself we'll one of those.
0: We to get this. you oh. dialed into the modern era here. Absolutely, we'll get you want to for next
1: time, or maybe it would be like enough to get you inside the studio. That would be awesome.
2: Oh, that would be nice. I know, and I, I just said I work for you know a tech startup, and and I'm the one without the fantastic mic. So uh, yes, the studio next time. Thanks again.
1: Sure. Erica, would you kind to tell
3: us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So Erica Strudler, and while it's not my professional career, upon the passing of my mother back in 2012, I, with the help of my sister and so many others, I was fortunate enough to be able to start our own nonprofit, Miracle for Melanie, which works to continue the legacy, the work that my mother had done for so many years, working with our veterans and our troops that have come back from uh, deployment in a number of different capacities. So at, at the young age of 24, I decided to start my own nonprofit, do what I could do to, to continue my own legacy, uh, to continue her legacy, I apologize, kind of my own version of navigating my own grief by trying to make an impact or, or a difference in the lives of others.
0: Before Roberta takes over, i got to insert one other thing. You just had a child. Is this your first
4: child?
3: I did. It is my first child. So Cooper Darvin Snyder was born in September so I have a, a wonderful four-month-old boy who doesn't sleep, but I, I consider it a blessing for sure. And, and as we were talking about before, his middle name, Darvin, is actually my mother's maiden name. There you go. That's what so I wanted to get into The legacy continues. Yeah, right. exactly. Absolutely. So we were looking for a way to try to honor her memory um, upon her passing when my husband and I were talking, and that seemed like a, a very fitting way.
1: Uh, I think that's very awesome, and I really love that you've done that. You both are, I think, honoring your mom in different ways. You started a nonprofit, so you're helping people that way. And Allison, you're helping people get their estate planning done, and I know that was something you were doing during your mom's illness or before she was ill.
2: So it was something that I, I started sort of during the, the early course of her illness. I had been working um, for the, uh, the controllers of the state of Maryland doing some tax work, And then as her illness progressed, I moved on and sort of became an estate planning attorney. And I realized how much I loved working with individuals and and families to create their lasting legacy and um, really getting to know them and feeling a part of their lives and their journeys. And that took off and really became my career.
1: Thank you for doing that because, it's as we talked about before, it really makes things much easier for the families if we get all that done beforehand. I know it's difficult, but it's just something we really need to do. Can you tell me a little bit, tell us a little bit about your mom before she became ill?
2: Oh, absolutely. I think Erica actually spoke to this, just, she touched the lives of of so many individuals. Just had such a passion for giving back to the community. I mean, I think we could just go on and on about this. Working for our veterans, that brought her so much joy to be in the hospital setting and really to be interacting with them during their recovery. Uh, she was also a physical education teacher, so so really smart when it came to sort of wellness and well-being and she just loved being around the veterans. It just, it brought her so much joy. Was there
1: something that led her to that? I mean, did she have family members that were in the military or was what was her, her passion? Where did that come from?
3: Go ahead, Erin. Yes. Yeah, my mom was the daughter of a Marine. So Jerome Darwin was my mother's father, my, my maternal grandfather and Allie's maternal grandfather. And he actually had always told us the story. He was only sixteen. He actually lied about his age to enlist in the Marine Corps. Which to me was something that just always resonated and I thought was so incredible. Somebody that when you talk about self sacrifice at such a young age had made the decision that it was it was about about something more than himself. And he went into the recruiting office and I probably shouldn't be saying this, but he, he lied about his age. You had to be eighteen to enlist and he was had just turned sixteen. And he went in, and he knew that this was his calling. And he was deployed for almost four years overseas in the Pacific. And him and my grandmother had continued to, to correspond via letter writing for the entire time he was over there. And that was something that really left an impact on my mom. She always knew about this, and they had continued their relationship during, her time, during his time overseas. So when she had the opportunity in retirement to volunteer at Walter Reed, now Bethesda Naval, It was just something that made such an impact on her life. She spent all her time and gave so much of herself to spend time with these service members who had come back from their deployment. And it was just, it was something she always talked to Allie and I about. I jokingly always think back on this story. My father actually works for for Monumental Sports and Entertainment with the Wizards and the Capitals. And my mom was always bothered that other teams would come in to visit. And they would always go to visit the service members at Walter Reed. And when my mom heard this story, she never understood why our teams didn't go. And my mom used to corner these athletes in the parking garage at the arena after games and ask them when they were going to go visit our nation's troops and why is everybody else coming into town to go visit Walter Reed. And, And they hadn't made the appearance yet. Obviously, they had done a number of other amazing things when they would visit other cities. But it was just such a passion of hers. She would bring people in. She would talk to people about how they need to come to Walter Reed, how they need to thank our troops for what they're doing. And so it was really something, having her father having served in the Marine Corps, that really made an impact on her.
1: Did they ever go visit? Did they ever take her suggestion? They,
3: they oh. knew not to say <laughs> no to my <laughs> mother. <laughs>
2: no, nobody said no to Melanie. <laughs>
3: Good I here. saw Allie's face light up when you asked that question. That was one of the things we jokingly said about my mother and, and when people would eulogize her. They, they talked a lot about was how you just didn't say no to my mom. When she told you you were going to do something, it was always for a good cause, but you knew better than to say no. That's yeah. my kind of woman, I'll tell you. <laughs> we actually had
2: another she was, really, a really great story the, near the end, and I know Eric and I both on our mind, and it really, again, speaks to just the, her strength. In, in her last moments, where it was—it was the night, actually, the night before she passed away—and her dearest loved ones were sitting around a table, you know, sort of talking about memories and just embracing one another. And a, a decision was made. I don't recall who it was, Erica. Maybe you could tell me. Someone—someone wanted to to bring out a bottle of wine, so that we went down to the wine cellar and and chose a bottle of wine. Came up, everyone was was drinking. My mom was not. She was sitting off off to the side. Um, but we picked up glasses of wine and thought maybe it would be nice to give mom a, a medical swab with a bit of wine on the end of it so she could partake in the moment. And mom took one look at that medical swab and took another look at all of us with these with these cups of wine and literally for the first moment in so long just made a motion towards us as if to say, what are you doing giving me a medical swab when all of you can raise a glass to, to this moment and to family and so we, we said okay no more medical swabs took out a glass for mom and raised it so that we could all make a toast in that last moment and it was the night before she passed but we we literally heard her you know with her motions, loud and clear saying, no i'm going to be a part of this moment because we're family and we're all in each
1: other. And you shared that story with me and it, it really brought tears to my eyes because it was just, just something about it and it's something I can really relate to because though no, for me it's not wine. I already told my family we're doing shots of tequila when I'm on my way out. So, <laughs> you know, and it's been put in my will so they better make sure they do it.
3: It's in the will. <laughs> I appreciate Allie leaving out the part of the story that I was actually the one that blindly grabbed a bottle of wine from the wine cellar, and it conveniently was the most expensive bottle, unbeknownst to me, of wine that we had. So now at every happy occasion, my poor father has to go in and order a bottle of that Duckhorn wine from Duckhorn Vineyards, actually out in California but the number of bottles that we have consumed of Duckhorn wine because of that is almost pretty comical. I think at times my dad wishes maybe I grabbed something a little less expensive, <laughs> but it's truly become a part of that legacy for sure.
0: I have to pipe in. I don't normally do that in the show, but Duckhorn is really good and really expensive. I've had it here. It's up in, um, I forget if it's Napa or Sonoma, but it's really good wine. It's like a Sorry, red wine. Erica, yeah.
2: says, Erica says it was blindly, but we all know the truth.
1: <laughs> well, you know, that's the way your mom does to go out with
3: the way she needed to go, out, oh. right? And that's the best way to go, the most expensive wine, right? So I'll pick the most Absolutely. expensive wine I can find, and that's what we're going to do. So. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> but, I'm sure Allie can help make sure that that's incorporated for any notes at the end as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pick up some of that wine and try that.
0: And we're looking for sponsorship, Deckhorn Wine. If you're listening right now, we're giving you a free plug here, so...
1: When your mom was, was diagnosed, did she have any symptoms or was it
3: by chance with the physical how was your mom diagnosed? Yeah. Yes. So my parents had actually taken a trip up to New York City in October of twenty ten. And that was during the the phase when everybody was hearing about bed bugs and hotels and things of that sort. And she came home and she had a, a surface level rash and of course immediately jumped to the fact that it was bed bugs, which was a logical saw it, just given the circumstances and what was going on, and you were hearing so much about it in the media. So as my mother always did, she threw everything out. She got rid of the sheets, the covers, all of her suitcases, all of the clothes that she had brought on the trip, because, of course, the bed bugs is easier to just eliminate the source than it is to try to, to fix the problem. And when that didn't go away, she actually had gone in for, for some blood tests. And as Allie mentioned, I mean, my mother was absolutely the pinnacle of health. Wellness was everything from a nutrition perspective and and a physical fitness perspective. So she went in for a number of tests just to, to try to figure out the best way to cure this rash, and it turned out that she had the tumor in her pancreas was actually blocking the bile duct, and that's what was causing a lot of the rash. So, unfortunately, at that point, we were fortunate. She was a candidate for the Whipple, so it was very early onset, given the placement of the tumor, but one thing led to another, led to another very quickly, and what went from being a the thought of having bedbugs and a, an infection from the bug turned into pancreatic cancer.
1: What right? time span, span was that between her thinking it was just bedbugs and then getting a diagnosis?
3: It was a couple weeks. Um, the doctor had prescribed something topical to help treat the rash. And when that didn't help, they rushed her in pretty quickly to say, let's see what's going on. Let's do some blood tests. And that was how they were able to, to diagnose. Allison, did you want to say something?
2: Right. There was also jaundice in her eyes, which was something that initially, with the itching, we sort of we didn't think to look at, you know, look for jaundice. But just like Erica said, the the tumor blocking the bile duct also created sort of a, a ripple effect in terms of the the different symptoms, including the itching and and also the the jaundice.
1: And then, did she she had the Whipple? Did she do any chemo after
3: that as as well, or just yeah? So. So she did the Whipple. She then became a candidate for a clinical trial at Lombardy at Georgetown Hospital. And from that ended up saying she withdrew from the, the clinical trial after after a couple of weeks. It just wasn't the right fit for her based on the guidance of her her medical team. But she was able to proceed with chemo. She did chemo for about nine months, and then she proceeded with radiation as well. And so they sort them? of threw the kitchen sink at her before <laughs> she said, you know what, I'm going to focus on the quality of my life at this point and ultimately said i could maybe extend the quantity of my days but not the quality and i think once she moved forward with the radiation as well she she tapped out
2: but she was amazing at least when she put her mind to something she, she really took it on i remember times when she would get back from she would get back from chemo and she would you know just want to go and work out or do something and you know everyone said to her melanie aren't you tired don't you need to lie down and she said, "No, I want to live life. I want to go out. I want to be around people." Um, I remember, in particular, you know, and this goes back to her her love for wellness was when her medical team suggested she not go work out at the gym because you know there were going to be a lot of people around, and it was better for her not to be exposed to that many people. And she created she she actually created a gym out of my Was a, there was an elliptical, there was a, there were medicine balls, there were all sorts of really interesting looking, you know, contraptions, but, you know, that was so when she got back from her chemo, she wasn't going to be lying down, she was going to be doing it all. Yeah, and that
3: says, I think, And I think it was, I'm sorry, go ahead. sorry, Roberta. No, go ahead. No, so one of the things that, that really stuck out, what, what Allie left out is she didn't even come home first, she just went <laughs> right to the fitness store and said, we're going to turn Allie's childhood bedroom into a gym, but it was actually her oncologist that said to her, don't make this your life. Don't let chemotherapy be your life. Don't let it be your days. It's a part of your day. It's something you have to do. It's something you're doing. But at the end of the day, if it's a couple hours, take advantage of the rest of the time that you have in that day. Don't write that day off. And I know that was something that really made an impact on her and how she framed her mind during the process. She would go to chemo, and then she would come home, and she would say, what am I going to do with the rest of my day? I'm not going to sit around and, and feel sorry for myself having gone to chemotherapy. That wasn't productive. I'm going to go take advantage of the rest of the time that I have in that day, and I'm going to maximize what I can do. And that really was just, it was just such an amazing way to live, live out the days that she had.
1: It really is, and I can really relate to that because I know when I was doing my chemo, people would say, well, why don't, you, know, you need to go home and go to sleep, and I apologize if this offends anybody, but my- sleep when I'm dead. But you want to live as much as you can and do what you can. And, you know, I, I, I'm i sorry I didn't get to know your mom. I think we would have been really good friends. I could say something. <laughs> her and her and me and my tequila, but we would be getting some things done.
4: <laughs>
3: how, did, how did Miracle for, for Melanie come about? Yeah, so after my mom passed, I remember so many people talking to me about what is a legacy what is how do we continue on the work that she had done there were so many different things that she had dabbled in and, and that were so important to her and i was fortunate i had been introduced to a, a lot of people within pancan over the course of her illness and we wanted to get involved and continue the legacy fund that we did within pancan but i also wanted to continue her work and i think that's really what it was about at my mom's funeral i read the poem by linda ellis the dash that talked a lot about how do you live out your dash. And I thought about the concept of a legacy and continuing the work that my mother had done. So I sat down with one of my dear friends and we said, what defined my mom's life? What were the things that were so important to her? And everything came back to the military. It came back to the military. It came back to her love of her family. So through that I got introduced to a program based down in Atlanta, Georgia. It's called Camp Twin Lakes. And they host a Family Warrior Weekend program that hosts service members, and their entire families for a weekend of just being a family post-deployment, helping them navigate what is life post-deployment. And through that, we said, this is everything that my mother cared about. It's physical fitness. It's the military. It's family. It's all the things that were so important to her. So we created Miracle for Melanie basically as a funding arm for one of those Family Warrior Weekend programs. And we've now done 11 years' worth of funding one of these programs based down in Atlanta and every year when i travel down there and i meet these families and i meet these children who are kids of service members and i think about this is everything that my mother believed in and this is how i would envision her legacy being created so for me it's just elongating that dash that was her life thinking about what what would she have done had she still been alive 10 years later to this day and i think that to me is is really what it's about it's about finding a way to continue that legacy elongate the dash and creating Miracle for Melanie and doing so. So you have the Family
1: Warrior Weekend. You also do, like, a I think I saw a golfing event every year. Is that something you do as well?
3: Yep, so that's our largest fundraiser. We do a golf tournament. I have never played a round of golf, full transparency, <laughs> but I looked up what's a good way to do a fundraiser, and it seemed like people enjoy playing golf, they enjoy drinking, and they enjoy having a good time. So this has been our fundraiser every year, and it's been great. I mean, Allie come down with her son, so Anderson has been able to come down and experience what's the golf tournament about, hear a little bit about what we do, and just keep it all uplifting and fun. So there's a lot of stories that are shared about my mother, and we really enjoy bringing everybody together in a happy environment.
1: If somebody wants to donate or get more information, is there a website or some way they can get in touch with you?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So it's wwwmiracle the number 4 Melanie, M-E-L-A-N-I-E.org. Or if anyone has any questions, or again, for those that have served, first I want to thank them for their service. But also feel free to reach out to me directly to learn a a little bit more about some of our resources. Um, And it's just Erica, E-R-I-C-A, at MiracleForMelanie.org. Are there any events you have coming up or
1: this year
3: in the works? Yeah, we do. So we have our Family Warrior Weekend Program, which we're we're hosting and sponsoring. It's Veterans Day weekend this year. But then we also have that tied into, through my dad's work with the Washington Capitals, through the USA Warrior Ice Hockey Program, so basically bringing people together through competitive sport, we are, are hosting and sponsoring a, a large hockey, sled hockey tournament. So There's a sled hockey league but also a standing league um, for service members who want to be able to embrace competitive sport as a form of rehabilitative work. So, again, love to, to connect to anybody, any of your listeners that may be interested in getting involved but again, I just I wanna thank those individuals that have served and it's it's a, a really noble effort and it's something that meant so much to my mom, my grandfather, and our entire family.
1: Well, if anybody has any questions or wants more information, I invite them and we will put that out there to the website and the email for you. Any other stories you wanna share with us about your mom real quick? <laughs> I, I,
2: I, I don't know st- I, I was <laughs> when Erica and I were, were talking in a, Advance. We also were talking about how uh, one day when she got back from chemo, she actually stopped at a Seven Eleven. I think it was to get a newspaper for my dad, and happened to get a parking ticket. And you know, of all the days that she went to chemo, I I think this was the day I I heard her (laughs) most upset (laughs) was about the parking ticket. Um, Again, maybe speaking to the fact that she she just really approached her treatment just with such bravery and grace, and, and and just just this incredible strength that she had um, manifested throughout her entire life. Just such a such a wonderful and strong woman, but, and that parking ticket <laughs> really got to her.
1: Well, she's, I'm sorry, looks like I can't get a chance to be here, but she's been an inspiration to me, just finding out more about her and learning about her, and I thank you both for coming, and I don't know, to me it almost seems like poetic that she passed Memorial Day weekend with all her work that she's been doing with the veterans and whatnot, so. It sounds like maybe that was, you know, just the time for her and very important. Um, and I thank you both again for coming. I'd love to have you come back because I know there's more we want to know about your mom and Miracle or Melanie and just everything that she has been involved in. So, But as long as you speak my name, I shall live forever. Is dedicated to Melanie Darvin Strudler and to our nation's heroes she dedicated her life to. So thank you both for joining us. I really appreciate it. And I would, again, really love to have you both come back. Either
3: Zoom so or in person.
0: And we'll get nice. a bottle of duck wine. <laughs> and, <laughs> some
3: <laughs> <tequila>. <laughs> and some tequila.
0: tequila. <laughs> it would be a strange combination, but we'll make it work somehow. tequila
3: <laughs>
0: Give us the website one more time if you want to sign up or learn more about uh, Miracles for Melanie. Give it to us one last time and then we'll go out here.
3: Absolutely. It's www.miracle, the number four, Melanie, M-E-L-A-N-I-E.org. <laughs>